Colossians chapter 1, we'll pick up with uh, verse 9, and I'll just read verses 9 through 12, so just a couple of verses that we'll be covering. Starting verse 9, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have qualified us to be partakers by the work of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask, Lord, that you would just bless this time, fill us with your spirit, fill this place. I use this Bible study to draw us nearer to you and to conform us to your image. We thank you for this time and each person you brought here. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, have you ever said to yourself, if I can just make it to Friday? Well, of course you probably have. You probably said it tonight. Maybe you said, if I can just make it there to church tonight. Life, especially the Christian life, is a series of stringing together, if I can get from here to here. It's a, a series of stepping stones. If, if I can just get from here to here, I'll have just enough strength, just enough faith. But the Lord wants us to get the place to, where we can say, I will get from here to here. Amen? The Lord, I will make it. I will get from this stepping stone to the next stepping stone to the next stepping stone to the next place in life. And Paul is writing to these Colossians, and, and he knows they're going to need uh, that same perseverance. They're going to need that same uh, faith. They're going to need that same confidence in the Lord. And so we want to take a look tonight at uh, just a couple of things, two things that we'll look at. The first, if you're taking notes, I've titled, What We Need. Hopefully I have this on. What we need, if it doesn't advance, you can advance it for me. What we need, and starting in verse 9, he says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We can sum up verse 9 that it's to be filled with the Spirit. You know, when you see that word filled, God wants us filled with the Spirit. This is our ever-present need. Without the filling and the imparting of the Spirit, we'll lack the spiritual nourishment and direction for daily living. We need that nourishment. And it's the daily work of the Spirit of our life that produces a lifetime of faithfulness. We can get some vitamins in a bowl of cereal, right? but nothing that will actually nourish our soul, give us an understanding, give us clarity. Nothing that will give us peace or the renewing of our minds. No, that is done by the Spirit of God in obedience to the Word of God. Now, I'll come back to some of these things uh, that Paul outlines in uh, our being filled, but we can't miss out of the gate here, a huge need that shows up again and again and again, and it's prayer, right? 
are you starting to see, if you go to Calvary Chapel of Richmond and you've been in our different Bibles, are you, are you starting to see that no matter where you turn in Scripture, doesn't matter if we're in Nehemiah, if we're finishing Ephesians, if we're in Proverbs, prayer is essential, isn't it? You know, we've asked people to fast and pray today in the last uh, Wednesday of the month, and uh, we have people fasting and praying over Pastor Randy in different situations. But we need to pray, we must pray, and thank the Lord when others are praying for us. Aren't you glad people sometimes are praying for you? I, I, I know I'm glad when people are praying for me. Uh, and if you do, thank you. This is why we have to be in fellowship and in relationship. Why we had a ladies' prayer night last night. Why we have men uh, praying tonight. Why, why me and others were visiting hospitals this week. Yes, we prayed for physical healing. But prayer and the Word by the ministry of God's Spirit is medicine for the mind and the soul. We need medicine for the mind and the soul, don't we? We need salvation. Absolutely. We, we can't have a relationship with God. We can't go to heaven. We need salvation, but we then need an ongoing filling and refreshing of the Spirit. Paul isn't saying, hey, since you're saved, you're good to go. That's not what he's saying here in verse 9. Hey, you're already saved. Everything's going good. You, get, you got salvation. You're good to go. We'll now just be praying for lost people. No. Paul is saying, since we know you've come to faith, that's in the, the previous verses, verses 1 through 8, Paul says, hey, we know you've come to faith. We're praying that you're now filled with the presence of God in increasing measure. Paul says, I, you're already saved, yes, but now we want you to be filled with God in increasing measure. And this comes by what? The Holy Spirit. Notice what Paul prioritizes in his prayer and in the opening words of this letter. The priority is spiritual, isn't it? The priority is spiritual, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. This priority here, being spiritual, the priority he emphasizes is not a list of physical needs. Though those are certainly important, and they're covered in numerous passages in the Old Testament, New Testament. God cares about our physical needs. Jesus said, your father knows what you need. He knows you need clothes to wear and food to eat. And those physical things are important, healing, all those things. Yet it is still the spiritual needs, even after salvation, salvation being our biggest spiritual need, but even after salvation, it's still the spiritual needs that we're praying for and towards. You agree with that? It's the spiritual needs that we're praying for. If we don't have what we want to have in our checkbook, if I asked everyone, everyone here, got exactly what you're hoping to have in the checkbook, there might be a few of you say, I can't raise my hand on that one. We don't have what we hope to have in the checkbook. Maybe you have nothing in the checkbook. But if we know the Lord, and even if we didn't know the Lord, that's not our greatest need. It's not. God can take care of that in an instant, can't he? And our faith doesn't always feel that way, but that's still true. God can take care of that in an instant, whether you believe that or not. And what God wants us to get the place where we do believe that. But again, what's in the checkbook is not our greatest need. Why? Because what is in or not in 
The checkbook can't fill us spiritually. It might fill the bank account, but it can't fill us spiritually. People with loads of money, loads of money, more money than they want to know what to do with, are very often crumbling on the inside. And people with little to no money, some of the, some of the most precious saints on planet Earth all around this globe, are thriving if they're being filled in the inner man and inner woman by God. Thriving. Happier, more joyful, more cheerful than someone who's worth 50 million. That has no spiritual depth, no relationship with God. Financial investment companies. You, you've seen the commercials. They, they, they might have had some in the Super Bowl. There was actually, you know, isn't it nice that they were fairly clean commercials this year? I was like, thank you. My family can watch this, you know, without, you know. But, uh, but financial services commercials, you'll see sometimes with investment companies. You'll see it with the insurance companies and commercials like that. They'll make the case in these financial commercials, they'll make the case that they can help people find peace of mind. It's a constant theme. It's been around a long time. They make the case that if you have Merrill Lynch or whatever else, that you, know, you, you can have peace of mind. Everything, you can finally calm down. Now, proper planning is wise. I think we'd all agree with that. Proper planning, we've, we've been looking at that in the Proverbs. But in and of itself, it can't bring peace of mind. Spiritual needs can't be met with physical answers. Remember Jesus said, he said, I have food of which you know not. Remember they went into the Samaritan village and he's like, I have food you don't know about. When, when did he buy something? You know, who dropped off the meal? He was talking about the spiritual realm. Paul knew that the Colossians needed to be filled with that which secures them, stills them, and safeguards them from the enemy's lies. The enemy tells us a lot of lies, doesn't he? I don't know if you've ever been lied to by the enemy. I've been lied to by, by the enemy thousands of times, I think, from the time I've been saved. From the enemy's lies, he protects us. The lies of the world. Again, some of them are in the commercials. Some of them are your company's philosophy, right? They, they don't know they're always lies. They don't mean them to be lies, but they just tell people, hey, if you do this, you're going to find happiness, and it's not true. There's the lies in our own minds. They're not even from the enemy. They're just our own fallen nature. We lie to ourselves. <coughs> hey, this is really important. It's not. Or this isn't important, and it is. And then there's false teaching, which Paul was greatly concerned with, with the Colossians. There's another kind of, now that's from the enemy, but it's very specific because it's aimed at discrediting the Bible, discrediting the Scriptures. So we need to be protected from all these things. And when our mind, but not only protected, filled with something, if you're going to replace one thing, it's got to be filled with something else before, before you come to know the Lord. God has to take out the old and replace with something new. If you are trying to break your love affair with chocolate, first of all, Valentine's week is not the great time to do it, but if you're trying to break your love affair with chocolate... You're going to have to develop a love affair with vegetables instead. Something has to replace the other, right? Sorry to burst that bump. Don't, you can go ahead and buy chocolate still. I mean, it's, still a, it's good for some things. But when our minds are filled with the mind of Christ, we'll have minds that are settled by the Lord and set on the things of the Spirit. 
Let's look again at what Paul expresses in his prayer. Verse 9 again, the middle part of the verse, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now first here, filled with the knowledge of his will. It's one thing to be aware of God's general will for life. And we find that in the Word of God, God's general will for our life. But when we're filled, okay, I, I, I kind of have an inkling of God's will, but when we're filled with the knowledge of His will, you see the difference? Filled with the knowledge of His will, just think about what that means, to be filled with the knowledge of His will. Because Paul is praying for Christians here, but he's making the point that not everyone must be filled with the knowledge of his will. But that's his prayer that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will, but that not everyone's filled with the knowledge of his will. When we have a certainty, an absolute certainty that the Lord's will is perfect, you might have to walk with God a while till you get to this place, where you have an absolute certainty that God's will is perfect that nothing else is perfect, but only God's will is perfect. Think about it. I mean, when you, if we could really grasp this, it would settle us in a thousand different directions. Think about it. If you could absolutely get to the place that you were certain that God's will is perfect, because most of our doubts and wobbling is we're not certain that his will is perfect. We're doubting it. And Peter's cruising on water. The will of God is, Jesus said, come on out. It's my will that you make it all the way out to me. I'm not sure it's your will. <laughs> Down he goes. What a confidence and strength come that his will is for us and his love surrounds us. Isn't that great to know? The will of God is for us and his love surrounds us. Now, Jesus said, and I think we can always know that when Jesus says it, he means it. He said that his desire is our joy would be full. But when it goes from the mind to the heart, where we really say, all right, I know he said that, and now I know, I believe that he wants my joy to be full. Well, that's a big difference. That's That's a shift. Now, understand, as we'll look at this in just a minute, This isn't confidence of joy because of our circumstances. No, but rather in the midst of and in spite of our circumstances, we still have joy. This is the deep inner man and the supernatural filling that comes by the Spirit. Now, Paul goes on. Look at the second thing here. We'll take them together. He says, uh, filled with the knowledge of his will, but then secondly, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So we'll take that as a second one, wisdom and spiritual understanding. What does this mean? Wisdom and spiritual understanding. We'll have answers. We'll have clarity. We'll have peace and how to respond and proceed in a myriad of situations in life Pretty like lots of different scenes that you didn't expect. In a myriad of situations that arise in the course of life. Do you know one of the most common questions on planet Earth, and I bet you it's been asked millions of times today, all over the world, every country, 
every continent. Here's the question. What should I do? What should I do? I mean, it might be asked a dozen times in one week by us. Do I call the doctor? Do I not call the doctor? Do I do this? Do I not do this? Do I take this job? Do I not take this job? Should I take Pocahontas Parkway or should I go this road? You know, that kind of thing. Some of them are more important than others. Some of them may have saved our life. We don't even know it. The Holy Spirit just, he thought it was just a simple decision and it really was more, more divine than we thought. Those are the ones we'll find out when we get in heaven. Really? That, that was a big one? Oh, yeah. Wow. Didn't realize that. Glad you kept me from eating there, whatever it was. But uh, I had food poison once, and I, uh, ooh, Lord, protect me from ever seeing that again. But, you know, you, big things, little things. But this question that many people ask, and many people are asking right now, what should I do? Often there's an urgency with that question. What in the world should I do? What can I do? How do I do this, that, or the other? But Paul is saying, as we're filled with the Lord, he'll give us precise guidance at just the right time. His will, knowledge of his will, and spiritual understanding. We see things with spiritual eyes. Someone else might not see a risk or a danger in something, and the Holy Spirit will say, no, no. <laughs> I know that looks innocent. You stay away from that spiritual understanding that that's going to conflict with my will for your life so why not you know, everyone else thinks it's no stay away spiritual understanding paul is saying we're filled uh not only will we have guidance but here's the cool thing we'll actually be able to be useful in helping other people with guidance this is really important if you're a parent by the way because you don't have just you lead anymore you have other people to lead. Maybe you run a company. Maybe you have a business. Maybe you're in management. You know, maybe uh, you, get, you have a place of influence. You're a ministry leader. You have things. People are looking to you. You're going to be able to not only have the wisdom for your own self, but also other people the Lord's put in your path, put in your life. The Lord wants his church and his people to truly live their lives by the voice and guidance of God. Not our own dictates, not our own preferences. Well, I think I like this. I think I like that. That's, that's, God doesn't ask our opinion on things, but he does want to give us his voice. Not led by our own will. That's called self-willed in the Bible. We're not led by our own will. We're not to be led by our own will. And we're not confused and driven about in all different directions either. You notice that when God gets a hold of a life, it starts to be moving forward like kind of like an icebreaker. You know, you see them up in the, in the North Atlantic there. You ever seen an icebreaker? It might be moving slow, and you're like, how in the world is it moving thousands and pounds of ice? And that, the way they're designed is amazing. You ever watch them uh, uh, up in the north of, north of Russia? They have some of the most amazing icebreakers. But those things will cut through, and the horsepower and the design and everything else. God does that with us. He makes us icebreakers to continue forward and to accomplish his will, even though it doesn't look real easy. Of course, it's not. But he gives us that knowledge, that spiritual understanding, that fortitude, and that wisdom to cut through all the mess, all the difficulties, and all the things that are around us. God says, I'm going to steady you. I'm going to 
You're going to be filled with the knowledge of my will, and you'll really believe it's perfect, and you'll be okay with that. That, that also helps us deal with what we would perceive as disappointments that God says, you don't need to be disappointed. This is my will, okay? Let's take a look at the next thing. That's what we need. You can advance me. I only have one other bullet point tonight. Two for the price of one tonight. A second bullet point. Where we focus. Where we focus. And that's the next couple of verses. Verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord. What a statement, huh? You may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing the knowledge of God. There's that knowledge of God again. Strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering, with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Now we can sum up this, these passages, these few verses, we can sum this up as to walk in the Spirit. We need to be filled with the Spirit, but we can sum this up to walk now in the Spirit. Actually, the word walk is used there anyway, right in verse 10, walk worthy. This is our focus, that we walk in the Spirit of God, that we're to be focused on, Lord, I want to walk in the Spirit, fulfilling the will of God to what? To the glory of God. Not to the glory of us. Okay, I want to walk in the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, to the glory of me. That would be a bad math equation, biblically speaking, right? The end of that equation would say, to the glory of God, right? Each of those components, uh, all of it, being, uh, being in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, is to bring glory to God. Now, the filling of the Spirit, think about this in a circular uh, motion, the filling of the Spirit prompts the walking in the Spirit, and the walking in the Spirit refreshes the filling of the Spirit. They're, they're constantly feeding each other in a good way. Love begets love. Faith begets faith, right? Spirit begets spirit. You say, is there a verse for that? Yes, there is. Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, you might remember this. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You would say, well, if I live in the Spirit, wouldn't I walk in the Spirit? Well, yeah, they're complementary. They're constantly feeding the other. Being filled with the Spirit, but also to walk in the Spirit. So we're abiding, we're living in the Spirit, we're abiding in the Spirit to be filled, but the same Spirit gives us a Christ-focused life. See, the Holy Spirit is what focuses our eyes. Gives us a Christ-focused life. You and I aren't naturally good enough to have a Christ-focused life. Did you know that? We have a lot. We bring a lot of sin and self to the table, don't we? He actually puts new spiritual eyeballs in, if you will, and the Holy Spirit is the only one that can activate them to work. It's a transplant, if you will. A spiritual eyesight transplant. He focuses us to have Christ-focused lives, and then he keeps us on track to accomplish the will of God in our lives. And what is that will? Well, verse 10, verse 10 puts it all together. And we saw this in the book of Ephesians as well. I don't have time to turn there tonight, but verse 10 puts the whole thing together. If you take it together in verse 10 as the will of God for our life, you can enumerate it in these four things here. Walk worthy, 
fully pleasing Christ, these are Paul's words from the Holy Spirit, that we bear fruit, think John chapter 15, bearing fruit, and increasing, he says, increasing in the knowledge of God, but you can also just write increasing in spiritual maturity and depth. Increasing in spiritual maturity and depth. Those four things, walking worthy, fully pleasing Christ, bearing fruit, and increasing in spiritual maturity and depth. We should be more mature now than we were 10 years ago if we've been saved that long. We're not more proud of that. We actually will become more humble in that 10 years, and yet we've matured. Part of our maturity is we now know how little we knew 10 years ago, amazingly enough. Matthew Henry said this. He said, spiritual growth consists mostly of growth at the root, which is out of sight. Most of our growth is taking place in the private, dark prayer closet with the Lord, which no one else can see. But it then manifests in our life. People don't see that growth. We all sometimes don't even see it. But it's taking place at the root level. Our roots are going deeper and deeper and deeper. But this is our focus, verse 10. This is our focus, this will of God. This is our goal. This verse, you can think of this verse as like a spiritual Fitbit on your wrist. You could measure, you know, how am I doing? Looking at verse 10, it's a spiritual indicator. Lord, you could ask yourself, we could all ask ourselves, Lord, you certainly ask God, and God wants us to be asking him these questions. Lord, am I focused on walking worthy of Christ Jesus? By the way, a lot of other people can help you answer this question. Because people, do people, do unsaved people see Christ in you and me? If they don't, then we're not walking worthy of the gospel. If unsaved people cannot see Christ in us, something's wrong. By the way, Christian people should see Christ in us too, and that would be a major problem if Christian people can't see Christ in you either. Because that would be conflict and arguments and dissensions and all the things that uh, do crop up at times, but shouldn't. Am I walking worthy of Christ? Is my heart's number one desire to please the Lord? Walking worthy and fully pleasing Him. Is it my number one desire? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Everything else, that would be first. Is it my number one desire to please the Lord day after day after day after day? If someone is new in the Lord, brand new in the Lord, Maybe not even brand new. Maybe uh, it takes sometimes a, a few years for brand new believers to start to mature. We, we, I, I've had to learn the hard way as a pastor and, and just in the Lord that people don't grow at the same rate. They just don't. Uh, that's why you've got to be gentle with people. You've got to love people. And I realize they don't all grow at the same rate. If they're saved, God still loves them the same, but they don't all grow at the same rate. Some people are just out of, out of the gate. They're like a thoroughbred for God immediately. Other people take some time. But if someone is new in the Lord, walking worthy and pleasing the Lord at the outset, think of someone who's just come to the Lord. At the outset, for them, just saying goodbye to old sins is a great start. Goodbye, sins. Remember, uh, you ever seen on um, 
what is that movie? Uh, what is the movie? Um, my girls have seen it eight million times. But anyway, the Von Trapps, they say, the kids wave goodbye. You're waving goodbye to your sins, right? I can't, sound of music. I can't be there anymore. You've got to say goodbye to those things. Some people so new in the Lord at the outset, saying goodbye to bad habits, dead weights. That's at the outset. These are things that the Lord says, all right, these are things that are going to help you walk worthy. You can't walk worthy until you say goodbye to that sin. You can say goodbye to those relationships, goodbye to those habits, goodbye to those character issues. Another aspect, new in the Lord, walking worthy is to start sitting under godly teaching, just to start sitting under the Word of God. That's a, that's a place to start. You have to sit under the Word, sit under teaching. Get into the Word. You've got to open your Bible. You don't have to read the whole Bible overnight, but you start reading a couple of verses every day. You have to start to develop a prayer life. You have to learn to worship. You have to get into fellowship. These are walking worthy. As the new believer, these are the place to start. Right? We didn't say go preach a revival service in uh, you know, another country within two days. You've got two days to be ready for this. Right? That's not what God said. Walking worthy is saying goodbye to these old things, saying hello, and embracing these new things. Remember, you've got to replace the old with something new. Otherwise, there's a vacuum, and the old comes right back anyway. It pleases the Lord, and our worthy walk is now to develop. And again, I'm speaking of someone newer in the faith. Our worthy walk at that point is just to develop these new spiritual habits. Not, they don't need to go teach the Sunday school class. They need to go do this. Just develop these spiritual habits. By the way, these spiritual habits don't go away when you, oh, I've done that for five years. I don't need to do it. No, you get to do these the rest of your life. It's like breathing. You will continue to do the first things, but you're adding to the first things, right? Those are foundational. Hebrews talks about laying aside the foundation. Then we add to the foundation. You're putting up the brick, putting up the stud walls and the sheetrock and all that other stuff. But we decide early on. Early on, we decide, right? And Jesus says some of this actually determines if someone's really born again or not. Because not everyone, he said, you'll know them by their what? Fruits. Over time, it'll tell. Have they genuinely been converted? They might start off with the small milk stuff and work their way up to formula and work their way up to uh, oatmeal and on the way they go. But we decide early on, will we live to please Christ or will we live to please ourselves? Early on, we're making that decision. It's a very early on decision. It also comes along with the term, will you take up your cross and follow Christ or not? Early on, am I living to please Christ or am I living to please myself? And as we grow in grace, the desire to please Christ instead of ourselves actually grows accordingly. We, our desire to please Christ grows with time. It doesn't wane with time. The fire gets actually bigger in us. Happen at the root level again, but it's growing. Just like that tree is going to get big because the roots are going out. The tree is not going to get big just because... It has a little bit of root like this. It has to get down to the water source. And as we get more tapped into the Lord, we're going to grow accordingly. Now, I love serving and pleasing the Lord. I hope you do too. I love to serve and please the Lord. I never want to go back. I never want to go back 
to living in a life that serves and pleases myself. I did that for the first 25 years of my life, almost 26 plus. Serving ourselves and pleasing ourselves, all you have to do is get up, get an encyclopedia, a history book. It is futile and a dead end. Millions have tried it. It is 0% success rate. 0%. It's the dumbest thing you could ever do, but people will continue to do it. I will serve myself, please myself. Unfortunately, you can neither save yourself nor finally give yourself a judgment one way or the other. That lies outside of us. But even if that wasn't the case, it's still futile and dead end. Brother and sister, from the time we're saved and every day after that, we'll know that our life is to be about pleasing the Lord and we'll know that our life is becoming more about pleasing the Lord when our thoughts are about him, 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 and less of me, me, me. More about him, less about me. By the way, when you make it more about him, he'll take care of me and you and us. The Lord made this crystal clear to me almost immediately after I got saved that it was all about him. I mean, almost immediately after I got saved, I, I just realized, all right, Lord, it's all about you now. I've got to live for you. I want to please you. I've got to live for you. And although God's grace and my new life in Christ, you know, when I first got saved back in 1995, even all that, that was all a blessing. I, I was so thankful, grateful to be saved. I just knew it was about him. But yet, I learned really early, <laughs> much, in fact, most, I'm speaking for me, whether you get an amen on that, whether you would amen this, I don't know, but much, at least in my life, in fact, most of what the Lord would have me do from 1995 to 2018, most of it goes against my flesh. Most of it. Every now and then, something lines up perfect with what I like. It seems to be rare, at least in my life. I could list things all night to prove this point, to the point where you, you start to say, Lord, is this, like a, is this a game? that? Uh, it, how can I pick the opposite, you know, of... Uh, but that's the way God works. If you're going to please me, you're going to have to say no to your own will, you no know, to your own desire, and do what I've asked you to do. I, I had very early been saved. I told this a couple of years. I hadn't told it in a while, but... Um, I had been saved a couple of years. It was uh, we were up in Charlotte. We lived in. We'd moved from Fort Lauderdale to Charlotte, and it was um, probably like 1998 or something. I was working for a college at the time. I was before I uh, started working for software companies, and, but I was working for a college at the time, and uh, I had a Monday off because it was this time of year. I remember because it was probably like Washington's Day. It was a Monday where you get off for bank holidays and universities get off and that kind of stuff. So. I was so glad I had the day off, and even though I was involved in church and Bible studies and things like that, uh, you know, I had a list of things I wanted to do, and I was riding down the interstate that now is a beltway that goes all around Charlotte, but I was riding down this interstate, and I pat, and it's freezing cold day. It was like one of these days, it's like, it was sunny and 24, and windy, but not a cloud in the sky, but it was a, it was like just sunny and cold, and I'm riding by, and I see this kid walk on the side of the road on the interstate, like a, I don't know, he had a backpack or something like that, but he just didn't look like in good shape. I rode by him, and I, 
And the Lord just said, you know, I just started hearing, am I supposed to go back and pick this guy up? Nah, I didn't hear that. You know, so I just keep on riding and I go on past the next exit and find, I just couldn't get out of my mind because I'm like, the Lord's like, you have the day off. I know I have the day off. That's why I don't want to go back <laughs> because this could ruin the day off. Uh, so and I'm having this discussion in my mind, partly the, the Holy Spirit's not speaking audibly, but I'm like, it's certainly not Satan wanting me to go back and get this guy unless I'm supposed to die today or something. But uh, so, you know, I... Um, so I eventually I circle around, I get off the exit, get back all the way back, all, you get all the way back to the exit, past where you get back on, I pull up, and, uh, and this kid, I think he's about 18, 19 years old, had like, you know, snot run down his face, just looked in bad shape, didn't smell that great, uh, I ended up getting him in the car and start talking to him and everything. Long story short, I ended up taking him to some Chinese buffet, feeding him, um, you know, he had been abused, was a uh, bad home situation, abused his whole life, all these kind of, ended up leading him to the Lord, bringing him to this other church that was another part of town, got him to a homeless shelter and everything like that, uh, which, interestingly enough, the next day I went back there, I had checked him in, they had no record of this individual whatsoever, I still to this day don't know, did I entertain an angel, all I know is that God said, I just wanted to see where you willing, it cost me the whole day. It was the, the entire day. It didn't cost me. The Lord will still bless all that. You know, when you give God something, he'll give it back to you a hundredfold. So I probably gained time the whole year in ways that I never realized. But that day off was not, you know, I finished, get home. Sarah's like, how'd your day off go? Interesting day. You know, uh, it's like five o'clock. By the time the whole day, it got him here, got him downtown, got him to a homeless shelter, you know, all of this stuff. But Jesus said this in Matthew 25, 36. And I, refer I reference Matthew 25 a lot, or I'll just mention it. But I want to read the verse, and you know it. You know this verse, but listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 25, 36. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Of course, the righteous will say, Lord, when did we ever, he says, they'll say, when did we see you in prison? When did we see you naked? When did we see you sick and infirmed? We, we've, never even see, we've never even laid eyes on you until we get to heaven. And Jesus said, as much as you did to them, you did it unto me. And as I was thinking about this text, the Spirit just stirred me uh, as I was putting these notes together. It was like the Spirit just like, boom, just telling me, you need to start telling people to go visit me. Stop asking people to go visit the kids at Bonaire. Why don't you go visit Jesus? Because it's really easy to say no to people. But Jesus says explicitly here that it's him. Isn't that amazing? He is saying point blank, not, this is not some kind of, well, we're massaging the text. He is saying me. I was sick and you visited me. We went to the hospital uh, a few times this week to visit people. Jesus said, I visited him. I visited people from this church. But he said, no, 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 you visited me. That's actually encouraging, isn't it, saints? Well, I don't want to go on a mission trip. I don't care about the people over there. Why don't you go visit Jesus? Well, how can I visit Jesus? Let me take you to Matthew 25. You can visit him there. Now, I no longer see, and this is the other thing I started to think about, the more I've, and this isn't the first time I started to ponder this, but 
I no longer see this as only literal hospitals, literal prisons, literal homeless shelters, and literal orphanages, although those all apply. Amen? Wouldn't you say that this applies to all those areas? Of course. Mission fields, poor neighborhoods, destitute places, all apply, right? But I don't think it, I don't think it only applies to that. Do we not know by now that even in the church, not just brand new believers, but some people who have been saved for a while, are very damaged goods? Have we not learned that yet? That people in the body of Christ desperately need healing? I'm talking about people might be sitting in this room. That there are people spiritually recovering still? That there's people that still feel trapped? in their own seat, in their own mind, that they still feel like orphans, even though they're saved. They still, it takes a while sometimes for God to wring out all this stuff. It, it took me years to figure out, hey, why aren't all of you jumping? You know, because people, they grow at different rates. That people, even in the body of Christ, even in Calvary Chapel, Richmond, quite a few actually, need healing and encouragement. And I'm not talking about just physical healing. I'm talking about Emotional healing, spiritual healing, mental healing. I've said this plenty of times, but one of the primary reasons that I personally am involved, I was at a men's Bible study this morning at Panera that Xavier and other men from different churches, I was there this morning at 7 a.m. or 7.10 actually, but anyway, I got there. I was there this morning, and, but even when I wasn't a pastor, I felt this. And I hope that you do too. Um, it hasn't changed in 20 plus years. has not changed one bit. It was the same reason that me and my wife got involved in working with teens when we did not have teens at the time. Our kids were toddlers when we started working with teens. Same with Scott and Julie. But um, the, one of the reasons, primary reasons, that I am involved in men's Bible studies and things like that is really not for me. I get a lot of the word. I don't know if you know this or not. I do this for a living. I get a lot of the word. I get a lot of studying in. Sometimes it's a struggle if, there's, if it's a tough week with, you know, things that are going on in people's lives. But nevertheless, I get a lot of time in the word. I like fellowship. But I personally, I go because of others. Other people need to be encouraged. Other people, when, when the body of Christ starts saying, I'm going to the study to visit Jesus. We're getting a paradigm shift, aren't we? We're thinking like him. We're actually thinking like him now because he said it in Matthew 25. He's not only talking about going to Hilliard House or, or to Bon Air or to, out to the homeless, although I think those things should be part and parcel of the body of Christ because that's where the lost people are. But even in here, I believe Jesus is saying, some of my brethren still need healing. So if someone, can you imagine... Can you imagine Jesus saying to someone at the end of the age? Because one day we're going to give an account of every thought we ever thought, every decision we made, everything. We're going to give an account for it all. Can you imagine Jesus saying to someone at the end of the age, not only did you not visit me at the hospital, not only did you not visit me at the prison, because if you read the rest of Matthew 25, he says this to people who say, when did we not go? Kind of a scary thought, right? That he's going to call people into account 
But not only if Jesus said to someone, not only did you not visit me at the hospital, you weren't willing to visit me at the prison, you weren't willing to come at the homeless shelter or whatever else, but you wouldn't even visit me at a Bible study at the church. Well, I didn't know that was you. I thought that was just people that have more time on their hands than me. I thought that was all the people that have lots, that their calendars are free and open. Mine is, as you knew, Lord, one of the busiest calendars on earth. I thought that was where all the, 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 the people that don't have important stuff to do, and they hang out there, and they have all this time, so I just didn't bother going. That's a scary thought, isn't it? That Jesus is going to say, no, 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 I wanted you to go just be present. Did you know, oftentimes... You know, because Jesus said, you know, just go to the ladies' study to be there for those ladies. Well, I don't know who's going to be there. You don't need to know who's going to be there. I'm going to be there. <laughs> and that reason enough that, that all these things, oftentimes just are being present and listening. Yeah, a lot of times people don't need us to say 8 million things. One of the things I enjoy now when I go to things where I'm not leading is I just get to listen. Friday Night Fellowship, Tuan led it. Xavier's leading this morning. I just get to. I get to be involved, but what, I, what I'm listening for is where I can encourage. That's what I'm listening for. I'm listening for where I can say, that person needs a hand up. That person needs some sort of support. That person needs to be told, you can make it. God can heal you of that. But how would you know if you're not there? You'll never know. Jesus said, you came and visited me. Just being present, listen, did you know a lot of times just our body language and how we're listening is healing for people? They can tell that you care just by the way your countenance is. So if you don't care, you might want to stay away for a while. But when you, you know, come. And guess what? This pleases Jesus, right? Walking worthy and pleasing. We don't have to wonder if it pleases him. So I'm not sure. Go read Matthew 25 yourself. It pleases him. He's saying point blank, this pleases me. Now, anyone who says or thinks, I don't need to get together with others because I have a great personal devotion life. God's not impressed by that answer, by the way. God's looking at us, really? Your devotional life should send you outward. Your devotional life would never drive you into being a hermit. It would send you outward. I don't need to go minister because that's not my calling. Isn't really listening to Jesus. They're listening to who? Themselves. He said his sheep hear his what? Voice. voice. He said, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep know what I've said. My sheep care what i said, and my sheep apply what I say. When we hear his voice, we'll want to please him. I, it's not begrudging. By the way, you know, once I had to turn the car around way back, and, and I've had to metaphorically turn the car around many times since being saved. That was the first of many U-turns where the Lord has said, all right, go back and do this, go back and do that. You're going to have to take the time. I don't really want to go get dressed and go down there, go, you know, all that stuff, write the check to so-and-so. They need help. There are a lot of ways that you can minister to people, and sometimes it's financial too. Sometimes the Lord puts on your heart, that family needs help. Well, someone else will help them. Maybe they won't. So all these different things. Uh, we hear his voice. It's not. I'm not. It's not. It doesn't become begrudging anymore. We're not like, I can't believe God is making me do these things, these nice things for people. 
can't believe he is encroaching on my time, and now I have to hang out and listen to their difficult life, right? Over time, we develop the heart of the Lord, and we really want to say, how can I help? What can I do? You know, when all that stuff went down in Houston, wasn't it great to see people really respond with boats? and It should be like that in a spiritual army all the time. I don't mean that we're always out, you know, in, in boats and stuff, but I'm talking about spiritual boats that were going to the rescue. This pleases the Lord. Paul goes on from here. And we're going to wrap up in the last couple of minutes here. But Paul goes on. What else does he say here? Walking worthy, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. What does that mean? Being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. And again, we see this increasing in knowledge for the second time. Well, it's to be fruitful. Our life becomes fruitful. It produces spiritual fruit. And this increasing in knowledge is increasing in maturity again. Is the fruit of the Spirit flourishing our life? Is, do we see the fruit of the Spirit? Are we now becoming more loving? If we're not lo- growing in love, we're not growing. Are we more loving? Are we more kind over time? Are we more giving? If there was a time that you were more giving than you are now, it's time to come back and be... Be pleasing the Lord and be growing again. I used to be a real giver, but I'm not anymore. Well, Jesus is still a giver, so we need to be givers, right? We're giving. Are we growing in faith? Are we more hopeful? A joyful expectation is what hopeful means. Are we more encouraging? Are we becoming Barnabases, encouraging people? You're not going to get them going by beating them up. Encouraging. Are we growing in boldness? Because we're going to need boldness in a dark world, aren't we? We're going to have to grow in boldness. Boldness isn't just brashness. Boldness is sometimes being loving when everybody else isn't loving. Pretty bold thing sometimes. Easy to join the crowd. Or how about this one? Are others growing and maturing and taking new steps and coming to Christ? Because of our walk and our witness. Are other people growing or coming to Jesus or growing as believers because of our walk and because of our witness? The answer should be yes. Now, this isn't a condemnation from Paul. This is him saying, hey, let's all regroup. Time out. This has to be the plan. We refocus here. That's what we're talking about. Where's our focus? A lot of times our focus has now been taken off. Oh, I was focused on my career for the last three years. Paul says, time out. Your career won't be there at the end of the age, but you still have to provide for your family. I'm not saying not do a good job there. I'm saying, what is the real focus? Seek ye first, seek ye first, seek ye first the kingdom of God. If we're being filled by the Holy Spirit and focused on pleasing Jesus, this will happen. We will have impact on other lives. It abs- it's axiomatic. We will absolutely have impact, positive impact on other people's lives. Not because of anything in us, just because the Holy Spirit, it just kind of seeps out of us in a good way. Touches other people. Remember Peter? His shadow was touching people. There's an image there that after a while, the Lord's just emanating from our life. If the conditions are met, the results will follow. And by the way, as far as uh, other people becoming fruitful because of our walk, I love this. I didn't coin this phrase, but um, I, I think it's so true. Uh, I can't remember where I heard it. 
over a year ago or something, but often our fruit grows on other people's trees. Our fruit grows on other people's trees. A disciple will see fruit on other people's trees. They'll see fruit on their own tree too, but they'll see a lot of fruit. In the long term, they'll see probably more on other people's trees than their own. If the conditions are met, these results will follow. And it won't happen overnight, but we'll see little by little this will continue to expand in our lives and in the life of the church, which brings us to the last few aspects of this evening of walking worthy, and the results will follow. Um, these last few aspects, um, if that walking in the Spirit is our daily focus, say, daily I'm focusing on walking in the Spirit, pleasing the Lord, these things, the next list as we come to a close, these last two verses, this list, we're going to have to receive this from the Lord. We, only the Lord can give these things to us, some of them. And we're going to have to exercise them to make complete our journey or to make or complete our journey. We're all on a journey. I don't know where mine ends. I just hit year number 49 last week. I don't know where your journey ends. But I know that we have things that God prepared for us, good works he prepared for us, to complete before the end of where, wherever your journey is or my journey is. And so we're going to have to receive some things from him to get to the end of the journey, but we're going to have to apply some things on the way. And here they are in the list, verse 11 and 12. I'll just list them out. You don't have to read the text, but we already read it. But here they are. His strength. Anyone need his strength? Anyone need God's strength? His power. That's pretty good when your power said, I'm not as strong as I was at 25 physically. Every time I get on the bench press, I learn that now. I'm like, wow, this, this, is, this is going the wrong direction, right? But I'm more spiritually powerful, not more physically powerful. I, I, you're, you're losing physical power. My daughter's told me recently, Dad, you know that we're losing, we're, we start dying at the age 21 or something like that. I'm like, uh, losing strength at the age 18. I said, well, thanks for the encouragement. You know, the... Um, Power, his patience. Anyone need God's patience? This goes on. Long suffering. Hmm. If long suffering's in the list, then suffering may be part of our life. I don't like life. I don't, Lord, I don't like this list. All right, let's go on. Joy. Well, joy is a good one, right? We like joy. Giving thanks. Well, that's something we have to do. That's not something God plops in us. We have to give thanks. We have to reciprocate to him and give thanks. The Christian life is all about God's unmerited provision. So we can't produce strength. We can't produce power. We can't produce uh, you know, his, his uh, grace, any of these things. It's his unmerited provision, and it's then our purposing to apply it. We purpose, Lord, I purpose in my heart to apply it. Remember Joshua said, how long are you going to wobble between two positions? Which way are you going to go? You're going to serve the Lord? Serve him. If you're going to serve the other gods, go ahead and serve them. Which way are you going to go? That's what the Lord said. We purpose to apply it. <clears throat> so it divinely starts with him giving, but we have to appropriate it, right? If I give you a tool, you can let it sit there or you can use it. Say, I need a tool to do this job. All right, here's the tool. I'm still not going to do the job. But I just gave you the tool that you said you needed. I know, but I'm still not going to do it. Why? Because I don't want to do it. I just wanted to say I wanted to do it. A lot of times we're that way with God. Lord, you give me the tool, I'll do it. God gives the tools, and we still don't want to do it. 
We have to appropriate it. He gives us his righteousness, but we have to exercise that righteousness. Amen? He applies the righteousness of Christ. We have to exercise it. I love this definition of righteousness. A God-given desire and assistance to do what God requires. A God, righteousness. A, it's not the only definition of righteousness. There's other good definitions, but I like this one. A God-given desire and assistance to do what God requires. God requires us to walk in worthy of him. He requires us to please him, but he gives us the help to do it. Amen? It is a requirement. They're, they're called the commands of Jesus. They're not the good suggestions. Hey, if you get time. That's why Matthew 25 is written, because it shows there's an absolute judgment. They're commandments. But God said, if I give you the commandments, I'll help you do them. That's really great to know, right? That's just, hey, I'm going to call you to be a pastor. Lord, I can't do it. Moses said, hey, I can't do this. God said, I'm going to help you do it. Then we can be okay with that. Hey, I've never been a mom. I, you know, remember freaking out when you first had your first kid? No, Lord, there's got to be a more qualified person out there. Well, everyone felt that way. God will help. Now, if we, um, if we need this list, and we need things in the list, we, we need the things that God can do, uh, do uh, we can, if, if we read and understand we're going to need everything in this list, or we're going to, pay, we're going to need patience, we're going to need long-suffering, we're going to need power. We can be sure, we can be certain that some parts of the journey, by looking at the list, we can be sure that some parts of the journey are going to be rough. Why would you need long-suffering if parts of the journey isn't rough? Why would you need patience if there's not periods of waiting? Why would you need strength unless you were weak? Why would you need power unless you needed a source outside yourself? The list defines the journey. Does that make sense? The list tells us that this journey is going to be tiring at times. That's what Paul's telling the Colossians. You're going to get worn out, but God will be faithful. You're going to need these things. And guess by, oh, by the way, you'll be able to have joy in spite of the journey. Because it says there, and that is a provision of God. Jesus said, again, joy might be full. Jesus said in John 16, in this world you have tribulation. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Do you know who Jesus said that to? Every one of us. In this world, you will. Not might, not possible. Hey, if, if you grow up in the wrong country, in this world, you will have tribulation. Now, we might think, well, is this is like the seven-year tribulation? The word in the Greek is philipsis. You know what it means? Pressure. Pressure. Jesus said to everyone in the church, in this world, you're going to have pressure. You ever feel stress? You ever feel anxiety? You ever feel fear? You ever feel weight? You ever feel like there's the enemy coming against you? He is. Jesus said, anyone that follows me is going to experience pressure. Paul called it, he said, I'm hard-pressed. And actually, the word also means pressed together. Hard-pressed. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to get pressure. But he said, don't be afraid, I've overcome the world. Now, if Jesus is overcome, we can overcome. We're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. We're going to need strength, we're going to need endurance, though, aren't we? Strength, patience, waiting, power, yet we're to be of good cheer. And he sums it all up and he says, and by the way, giving thanks 
because the Father has called you a partaker. You've been pre-qualified. Not like a credit app. You've been pre-qualified for salvation. So you can give thanks. Lord, no matter what, I'm saved. If I flame out serving you, I flamed out doing the right thing, right? God's like, don't worry about that. You won't. You think you will, but you won't. You'll be an overcomer. You'll trample on spiritual serpents. We're to be a good cheer, give thanks, do it so. And then what will we receive in the midst of it all? Joy. You won't be as weirded out about the checkbook as other people. I mean, you will at first, but God will work it out in us, and after a while we'll start to say, I don't care about that stuff anymore. His will is perfect. His will is perfect. His will is perfect. I'm pleasing the Lord. I'm pleased to the Lord. Paul, I, he blows my mind how he got to the place where he could really be at peace in prison cells. Not just at peace, writing beautiful letters to people and, hey, let's sing a hymn. I was like, what you, dude, we're about to, you know, the depart, my departure is at hand. I can't wait to get out of here. You know, that kind of stuff, right? What a place to be. We need to pray, though. We come to a close here. Remember, we started at the beginning. We need to pray. We need to be prayed for. Come to the prayer meeting. Get prayed over. You need prayer. People see you, they'll remember to pray for you. Don't know you, they probably will forget. But we need to be prayed for. We need to be praying. We need to be filled. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with wisdom. We need to focus on pleasing Jesus. A lot of people aren't. Uh, I was listening to uh, last thing. I just just focus on pleasing Jesus. I was listening to a radio program, and I've met, met the gentleman before, but he's talking about over the many years he's been interviewing pastors. He, he said, over my years of interviewing pastors, um, I've asked how many of, what percentage you think in your church is ready to meet Jesus and the return of the Lord? If, if the rapture were to come or the Lord were to return, how many of the church? And he said, over the years, just he goes, my math of just kind of looking at it the best I can, talking to hundreds of pastors over 30 years or so, he said, about 15% across all denominations. This is just anecdotal. This was just, you know, just kind of doing mental math, exact number, if it was 20% or 13%. But he said, in my math, it's about, he goes, but then off the air, they would say, but I might have been generous with the number. Now, I really believe in our church, more than 15% are ready to meet Jesus, but God wants it to be 100%. Amen? I believe it's more than 15%. I don't, I'm not going to throw out a number. I didn't even thought about the number. I really haven't. I, I didn't give it a whole lot of thought, but I do believe it's more than that, but I believe Jesus wants it to be 100%, and this is a life focused on the return of Christ, right? To be ready should he return. We're going to need strength and endurance, but if it's all about him and we keep giving thanks, we're not going to be perfect, but we'll live a life that ultimately proves worthy, and he is the one that will dictate if it was worthy or not. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you again that you have promised to give us the strength and the endurance. Lord, I'm reminded as you uh, wrote to Timothy um, through Paul three times, uh, you said uh, that you must endure as a farmer, endure as a soldier, Lord. To endure is something we're all called to do. And Lord, uh, as we focus on you, and, and we're filled by your spirit, Lord, we'll have a joy, and we thank you for the good times, but Lord, that we are even more thankful that you give us joy even in the difficult times, that long-suffering, that patience, and I pray, Lord, in this room, you would bless each and every person here just with the overflow of your spirit, 
You fill us afresh and new with your spirit and your joy and that desire to be pleasing and walking in your will. And may the Lord bless you and keep you and the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.